0: Hey everybody, George Robson here, worship arts pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. My name is Megan Faulkner, and I'm the pastoral director of student ministries here at the Ocean Grove Church, which means that I pastor 6th through 12th grade students and their families, I'm part of the teaching team here. Pastor Rich, our senior pastor, is not here this morning. He's moving, not churches, just homes. It's fine, it's fine. Um, so you can just pray for him in the midst of that move. But here we all are today. I want, first of all, can we talk about the east breeze for like a minute? So the scripture says, right, that even the wind and the waves obey him. And I made the bad choice to wear black jeans this morning. On my way here, I said, Jesus, even the wind and the winds obey you, please, 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 Jesus, please make that east breeze. And we we're sitting there, I mean, won't he do it, right? Like, he loves us. So I want to talk to you this morning to those of you who feel like you're stuck. Maybe you've even felt like quitting. Maybe you feel like throwing in the towel. It could be your marriage. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you just don't feel like there's any other way to get it back to the place that it should be. It might be that you feel like quitting on a dream that you've had. You thought one day you could, and maybe one day you would, but now you think there's just no way. Or maybe it's a ministry that you felt like God wanted you to do, but no matter how hard you try, it just doesn't seem to come through. Maybe it's on your kids, and not that you want to throw them away, obviously, but you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed, and you just don't see how there's any other way that they're going to come back to Jesus and live a life that's honorable to Him. It could be an addiction that you've tried and tried and tried to overcome, and you've prayed and you've fought. And you have dedicated and you have rededicated and you have tried and tried again, but you just cannot seem to put this thing behind you. It could be your prayer for someone else to come to faith in Jesus, and it seems like the harder you're praying, the farther they seem to get from God. Some of you, it might just be that you feel like you're stuck in this cycle of life. You've done everything you can hang in there. And it all just feels like a little too much. This is a message for someone who has tried and prayed and believed and you feel like you have nothing left. You're stuck. It's my prayer for you that God's word will speak to you today from Hebrews 10. It's in your bulletin. And it says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, We need to persevere. You need to persevere so that, here's the so that, when you have done the will of God, not when you've done what you think you want to do when you want to do it, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. In just a little while, he will come. We need to persevere. The title for this morning's message is Perseverance, Moving Out of Stuck. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your word would speak life and faith, that we could persevere by your power, so that when we've done the will of God, not our own will, Lord, but your will, we will receive what you have promised. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Is anybody ready for some good news today? Okay, me too, so I'm glad we're here together. We are going to get to the bulk of our scripture in just one minute, but I want to share something with you quickly before beforehand, so don't be like, Megan's giving a TED Talk and she's not preaching. Just hang on, okay? We're going to get there. I'm going to give you a resource from Angela Duckworth. She's someone who studied at Harvard and Oxford, so she's incredibly smart, and she did research and she asked this question, why do successful people succeed? So she and her team went and researched three different categories of people to find out why these specific categories of people succeeded. The first was at a famous military academy. The second, she went to some very challenging schools. And the third, she went and studied, wait for it, world-class spelling bee champions. I'm pumped about this. So they wanted to find out of those cadets at the military academy, which ones succeeded, which ones dropped out first and why. And when they went to the challenging schools, they wanted to find out which teachers specifically were successful and went the distance and which ones caved in and quit before the end of the semester. And then they went to look at fifth grade, brilliant little kids who spelled words, it's like 172 letters, and they wanted to find out why, when they were equally talented, some would rise to the top, and some would cave under pressure. Why are some people successful? And what they discovered, it was not what they expected. It was not the IQ. It was not the intelligent quotient, but instead it was the AQ, the adversity quotient. It wasn't just in how smart they were, it was in how much they could overcome. So not the IQ, but the AQ. And Angela Duckworth wrote this really awesome book called Grit, and in this book she has this quote that I love, and it says, what is grit? Grit is passion and perseverance for the long term. I like this, it's both passion meaning I'm excited about it, right? But it's not just passion, it's perseverance. And it's not just perseverance for the short term, it's perseverance for the long term. We're not talking about perseverance For a season or a few weeks, we're talking about true perseverance. We're talking about serving Jesus when you have a chronic illness or showing back up when it's easier to walk away. We're talking about true perseverance. And today, I want to show you this really powerful story. It's in your bulletin in a little handout that I believe could give many of us the faith to go on when it would be so much easier to walk away. It's in the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, We're going to look at the sixth book of the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the sixth chapter. This is important. Tuck that away. In the Old Testament, the sixth chapter of the sixth book of the Old Testament. I'm going to give you some context before we start. God had promised his people Jericho. That's the context. But they had yet to take hold of the promise. Okay, so God promised his people this land, but they didn't get there yet. And let's look at Joshua 6.1 in your bulletin. We're going to take this big portion of scripture this morning, and it tells us this, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. So you've got Jericho, you've got these big walls, and nobody's allowed to go out, and nobody is allowed to come in. But the Lord said to Joshua, this is what God says, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. This is your assignment. Scripture goes on to say this. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horn. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, Have all the people shout as loud as they can, and the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. So the assignment was simple, right? Walk around the walls, one day at a time, on the seventh day, walk around seven times, shout, blow your horns, and the walls will come tumbling down. Why do we give up when God has promised us so much? Why do we find it hard to keep going and lose our trust in the promises of God. I am not saying, hear me clearly this morning, church, I am not saying that the Israelites did. I'm saying that we do. And I want to show you two reasons that this is very, very common, and you might see yourself in these reasons. I see myself. The first reason, number one, is that our perspective is often limited. Our perspective is often limited. We are not seeing how God calls us to see. For example, let's talk about Jericho for a moment. Jericho is not a very big city. In fact, you could march around it in about an hour or so. So the problem wasn't that the city was big. The problem was that the walls were high. And if you can imagine, the Israelites were so close to the promise, but just on the other side of the walls, and the walls were so high that the promise seemed impossible to obtain. Many or maybe some of us can relate to this, are those of you who are like you know what you want you've got a dream you've got a vision you've got a place that you would like to be in life you know what you want to have but all you can see to achieve that are walls and obstacles and problems i know this is where i want to be in fact i believe that this is where god wants me to be but all you can see is that which is keeping you from the promise maybe for you it's like you want to get out of debt and you've got a vision to get out of debt, and you believe you're going to get out of debt, and you get so into it that you get like Dave Ramsey's face tattooed on your arm, and you're going to be like, we're going to be a gazillion percent debt-free, and as soon as you declare it free, all the appliances in your house break, and all you see are this wall after wall after wall. You think we are going to be the family that honors Jesus And then it's Sunday morning and everyone's getting ready for church at the same time and you're yelling at each other and cussing at each other and you're kicking kids, to get in the car and you're throwing shoes at them and then you show up and you think, well, that that didn't go so well. Did it. Maybe we're going to try to mend a broken relationship with a family member and so we take them out to dinner. Mistake number one, we're doing it in a public place and it breaks out into this shouting match right? And everyone's yelling, you had great intentions, but uh, people around you are feeling uncomfortable and they call security on you at at Applebee's or wherever (laughs) you are. So the problem is that we have a very limited perspective. We're not seeing through the lens by which God calls us to see, which is his. And here's what's interesting. Look at your text. If you remember a text in verse one, it's fascinating. Verse one one says, Jericho was securely barred. Remember that? It's a no one can go out and no one can go in. But then in verse 2, look what it says. I have given you Jericho. So verse 1 says you can't go in and verse 2 says I've already given it to you. Why did God do that? Because God is the only one who can speak in the past tense before a present reality. He is the only one who can tell you what is when what is isn't yet. And I wonder if some of us might be in a situation like that on our own, where what he says about us is different than what we think about us. What he says about you is different than how you feel about you even now. God might say that you're healed, but you feel broken. And God might say that you're blessed, but you feel like he has forgotten you. And God might say, you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, but you feel like you are overcome every single day. And like life is just too much sometimes. Why is it? Because our perspective is often very limited. We are seeing through our lens and not his. It's like the Israelites, if you notice, they don't know the end of the story. God told Joshua, but Joshua didn't tell them. He just said, go march on the walls. Get up on Monday and march on Monday. Get up on Tuesday and march on Tuesday. Get up on Wednesday and march on Wednesday. And if you don't know what happened, I'll give you a spoiler alert. On the seventh day, they went seven times around the walls of Jericho, and they all came tumbling down. If you didn't grow up in Sunday school, I didn't grow up in Sunday school, but if you didn't grow up in Sunday school, there's this kid song, and it's like, Joshua fought the bell, and the walls came tumbling down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You could do it better than I. Do you remember that song? So I didn't grow up in church, and I knew that song, but let me tell you what. Joshua would have hated that song. It's a dumb song. He would have <laughs> despised that song, and do you know why? Because there is so much more to the story than what that little song says. It wasn't just this seven-day joy hike, like take your canteen, and we're going to go all look a butterfly. Like That's not what they were doing. This is not that. This was 40 years of wandering, and 40 years of wondering, where are you, God? And we're ready, and you've promised, and you haven't, Come through on that promise yet. And we believe that you will. And we're getting back up. And we're hanging in there. And we don't want to give up. But we don't see it. But we're getting back up, God. And we're still believing. and, And when we don't have faith, well, we're trying to have faith 40 years of this. There's so much more to it. And this is a problem. So often, when we look at others, we see their success and we see their victory lap. We see their seventh lap and we don't know the price they paid, and we don't know the pain they endured, and we don't know the story behind the story, before the story that no one told, the story of getting back up and continuing to persevere. We don't know their 40 years and six laps prior. We can't even imagine the private battles and the personal sacrifices of someone who continues to believe God even when they don't see the promise, which he assures will absolutely come true. It's perseverance. It's the price. It's the private cost of faith. So why do we give up? A perspective is often limited. We're seeing through our own eyes and our own lens and not his. And secondly, our progress in the faith isn't always obvious. Our progress in faith isn't always obvious. In fact, I'm going to show you this in scripture. So we're looking at this big portion of scripture. So don't go home and be like, now you tell me the whole thing. I'm not teaching you the whole thing. Go home and do your own research. But look, we're going to look at this again. The Bible says, look at your scripture. Joshua had commanded the army, "Do not give a war cry and don't raise your voices." Now, once you get there, you can shout. But at first, just be quiet. Is what he says. Don't say a thing. He says, don't say a word. Don't even say, hey, everybody, where are you going? How's it going? You look good today. Great, thanks. Don't say a word until I tell you to shout. And then what does it say? And then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. And the scripture says, then the army returned to camp. And spent the night there so on the second day they marched around the city and they returned to camp and they did this crazy assignment for six days remember they didn't know joshua didn't tell them can you imagine their frustration they're just doing something that seems pointless like walking around this stupid city tooting their horns this was decades of wandering decades of waiting decades of trusting these people are warriors they have been trained for battle and they are ready for war and all they got to do was go on a morning stroll around the block. And they walked around one day and they walked around the next and they didn't see anything, no progress, no evidence that God was with them. If you believe a little bit, right, you can see some progress, you can endure the pain. But they're just walking out there and they're not seeing progress at all. So then what does Joshua do? He says, hey guys, you're not even allowed to talk. Don't raise your voice. Don't say a word. Why do you think Joshua kept them from talking? I can't be sure I did not do an exegetical deep dive here, but maybe sometimes he knows that our mouth can be our worst enemy. Can you imagine if they were allowed to talk like Joshua has lost his mind? Like you're going to put up with this every day. I'm not doing this. 40 years, we've been serving God and nothing's happening. They just get each other all whooped up about it. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. My feet hurt. This is ridiculous. I came out here to fight. I'm not doing this stuff. I don't know if you're going to do this. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Where's God? And they just get each other in a big frenzy. Things are bad. And they might get worse. That's why sometimes we have to tell ourselves to just be quiet and keep doing what God told us to do. We just have to preach to ourselves to just zip it up and keep on marching. To be quiet and keep trusting, to just stop it and keep praying to be done and keep loving someone who seems unlovable, to shut up and keep on forgiving and to show up when everybody else leaves, walks out. Sometimes we have to turn to ourselves and say, flesh, I don't believe you. I'm choosing faith. Circumstance, I don't believe you right now. I'm choosing God. I'm choosing to walk by faith and not by sight. Be quiet feelings. I'm only trusting God. What's interesting, again, if you know, God told Joshua that the process would take seven days, but Joshua did not tell those people. For all they know, they're in a marching band. Like, here we go again, and it's frustrating, and there's no end in sight. When we're doing the right thing, and it doesn't seem to make a difference. It's so much easier to honor God. It's so much easier to do what's right. It's so much easier to stay the course when we feel like it's working and, and it's paying off. You could endure a season of financial hardship if you knew that a blessing was coming, a bonus was coming, a promotion was coming, a victory was coming. We could deal with someone close to us, depression, if we knew that depression would end at a certain time. We can take the pain when we know that God is working. So where is he in times like that when when we don't know? When we don't see him? Maybe in that case, it was that God was building their faith. He's just teaching them to depend on him to see the results. What I discovered is this, that God often does something in us Sometimes before he does something for us. He changes me before he changes my circumstance. And that's the story of my life in the past few years, marching around the walls, not seeing them come down. And I don't know how transparent to be with you. I never know like the threshold of how much people can handle. But this last year particularly was pretty tough for a lot of people, right? If not the toughest year of your life, one of them, especially for those of you who are in any form of leadership anywhere in the world. And I'll tell you right now, it was actually a really incredible year for me, so much so that like I have a little survivor's guilt over it and there's been really incredible good times, but it was also a really, really, really tough year. Because no matter how much we prayed here at OGC and how much we tried to get things right, it was impossible to get everything right all of the time this year. Does anyone else feel that way? My alone lone jerk jerker? I felt like I was just stuck, like marching around and marching around and marching around these walls. In the years prior to last year, I was the Israelite, In the wilderness and then finally the walls of Jericho came down around me and finally what happened is that I recognized this very simple truth that God is still with me and he kind of brought me back to center and what I realized is that when we're tempted to quit when we're tempted to be in a stuck position it's always good to remember why we started that thing and i remember i didn't go into ministry for it to be easy and i didn't care if i was popular and i didn't care if i was liked. i went into it because people are lost and dying and need help and salvation and his name is jesus and it's about him and has nothing to do with us and we don't know who hangs in the balance of us staying in this race of faith with Jesus. Our perseverance can lead to someone else's salvation. And how insane is that? Someone else can come to know Jesus because we have chosen to stay in this race of faith. I want to talk to someone who has been faithful for a long time. You've been trusting God, you've been praying, you've been believing, and you still don't see this promise. I want to tell you that it may be closer than you think. It might be closer than you think. I'm wrapping up in the next minute and a half. um, But I need to tell you that the concept I'm about to tell you is 0% my own. I watched two preachers preach on this, and I thought, I have to tell you this this morning. Like, woke up in the middle of the night with a stomach ache. Like, if I don't tell this, this hangs in the balance for someone. So do you know who Florence Chadwick is? I'm going to tell you about her. She's this amazing woman. She's the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. It's an incredible accomplishment. And in 1952, she decided to attempt this 26-mile swim um, between the California coastline and the Catalina Island. And 15 hours into this really grueling swim, this very heavy fog settled in on her, and she lost her bearing. And she couldn't see, and she was confused, and she was exhausted, and she got really discouraged when she was swimming, and she wanted to get in the boat. And the people in the boat said, no, 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 just keep swimming. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And she couldn't take it anymore. And she, she was so disoriented that she threw in the towel and she quit. And it wasn't until she got in the boat and could really hear everybody that she realized the shoreline was less than half a mile away. And I don't know who this is for, but you may be closer than you think. Our key text, you need to persevere so that when we've done what? What we want to do? Absolutely not. When we have done the will of God, we will receive what he has promised. Maybe you've been walking for a long time. I have some friends in my life who need healing and I pray, Jesus, please heal them. I'm begging him to heal them. I'm like the persistent widow in Luke 18. I've done a lap and I'm still praying and I do another lap and I don't see a thing. And God, I am trying to hang on and maybe we're like, Habakkuk, where are you, God? Do you not hear my cry? Why do you let the innocent suffer? We don't understand, God, and we don't see you. And we're running around the third lap and we're continuing to go, God, we don't see anything. All oh, we see are walls, all oh, we see are obstacles. God, we don't feel you and we don't even feel like we've heard from you. And then we're on lap four. we're continuing to trust God. We really want to trust God, but now we're discouraged. And now we're wondering, like, do we need to quit? Did I I have this thing wrong, actually? Is he really there? And we're continuing to trust him, and we don't feel like it right now, and and we're kind of ticked off at lap four, and we don't even know if he's real at this point. But somehow we get back up, and we keep going around, and at one point before we know it, we're actually on lap number six. And we may be one lap away from the victory lap, one lap away from the promise. We may be closer than you think. Remember, the Israelites didn't know that lap seven was the victory lap. They just kept going and they kept trusting. And that's why I came to tell somebody this morning don't you quit on six. Don't you quit on six. Don't you quit on five or four or three or two or one. And don't you quit on God. Don't you quit on your marriage. Don't quit believing for your children. Don't walk away from your ministry. Do not give up on your dream. Do not stay in the pit of depression or anxiety. Don't give up on reconciliation with a neighbor or a family member or a friend. Don't you dare give up on the goal when you are half a mile from the finish line. Don't abandon the church. Don't run away from Jesus. Don't abandon God. Don't you quit on six. The victory may be closer than you think. You could throw in the towel or you could pick it back up and wipe the sweat off and you can keep on walking and you can keep trusting. You may be closer than you think you are. Whenever you feel like you're ready to quit this walk of faith, just remember why you started. Where were you when you first encountered Jesus? When you wanna quit, you take yourself right back to that place. For me, it is a tiny church in a tiny farm town hundreds of miles from here where were you when you first heard the news of the gospel when you want to quit when you abandoned when you want to abandon the faith you take yourself right back to that spot remember why you said yes to jesus and this life with him in the first place you just keep swimming and i love what the apostle paul said in galatians 6 9 he said Don't let us grow weary. Does anyone know this? In doing good, right? Don't let us grow weary in the march. Don't let us grow weary in the faith. Don't let us grow weary in praying and believing and trusting and hanging on when the world will tell us to let go and we just keep on trusting God because we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. Don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. Do you know the rest of the verse? You'll reap a harvest if what? If you don't give up, this is for somebody this morning. Don't you quit on six. Don't quit on God. He hears the cries of your heart and he is with you. And so what do we do? We persevere. Let us persevere so that we will experience, what does our key text say? The blessings of God requires perseverance. I don't know who this is for, but the devil wants you to throw in the towel. And I'm here to remind us today that Jesus took the towel and he washed some feet. You can take your towel, you can wipe off your sweat, you can serve some people, and you can stay in the game. And the promise is true. God's word is true. You will reap a harvest, but don't give up. Let's pray. So Father, we pray today in the name that is above every other name for those who are ready to quit. That by the power of your blood and your spirit, you would keep us running our race, Jesus. Eyes focused on you and you alone. We love you, Jesus, and we surrender our lives to you. In your name we pray and everybody say, Amen. Amen.
0: We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church. Or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church on Twitter as OG Church and don't forget our website, OceanGrovechurch.com. And you can contact us via email at Oceangrovechurch at gmail Until next time, we bid you peace.